Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. I'm Steve. Uh, and today we have Spectre. Hi, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was muted. And then <laughs> do over. Uh, yeah. Oh, we <laughs> we always botch the openings to our shows. And grow right. here. <laughs> That's what live is all about. Yeah. Real things happen. Yeah. <laughs> and we have um uh, the gentleman from Spectrum King today. Um, we have Orr and Brendan, um, and uh, they're here to talk to us about um, uh, LEDs. We're really excited to have them. We had uh, multiple uh, att failed attempts to do it. I lost power because of a ridiculous, ridiculousness living near yeah. the border, and then they had connection problems. So it's mm -hmm. uh, some fun stuff, but yeah, didn't. determination <laughs> won over in the end. We're here, you're there, all good. Yeah, and then when you're when you're too busy chasing your own tail, you know, it's uh, kind of hard getting on a call after you're so beat. But hey, we're here. Absolutely. Um, thanks a lot. And um, uh, why don't you guys tell us about uh, about uh, Spectrum King and a little bit about LEDs? Um, you know, as far as uh, uh, them over some of the other types of lights that are out there. Well, um, in the simplest of terms, we started this off years ago as we all knew each other. And I've, you know, I've, I've known Rami or his brother for like nine years. And we used to, shall we say, spar vocally over what LEDs could and couldn't do. And, you know, we, we tried to get things happening then. I know him all along. He, he was a non-believer. You know? No, I wasn't. I was skeptical because at the point in time, you know, the red and blue thing and being the nerd that I am, um, I know that red and blue can only travel so far and that they work better in conjunction with other colors. So when we came out with full spectrum light three years ago and really pushed it, everyone else in the industry thought we were jokers, clowns, and had no idea what we were talking about. And now all of a sudden, they all have full spectrum lights. I wonder why that is, or do you know why? Hmm, tell me, Brandon. I think because they, they work. Yeah. They figured out that our lights work, so I they mean, should probably copy them. The, the, why, why change what works, you know, natural sunlight? Everyone stood, you know, looking at uh, NASA white papers on red and blue and blurple, if that's a color, but you guys know what I mean, I think. And, um, yeah, for sure. you know, in theory, to grow vegetable starts in space, that's all you need. Um, they didn't read the whole paper. They just read the first few pages. Where they talked about red and blue for chlorophyll A and chlorophyll B production. They never read into right. the fact that light bulbs work really well and produce really well, and they don't have that much red or blue in them. So maybe you need the other colors too. So we looked at the sun. We said, well, we know that works for sure and everything's in it. So why not just try to get as close to sunlight as we can with really intense light and let's see what happens. And well, the, the rest became clear to anyone who uses the lights. You, you, you mentioned earlier that you had seen them yourselves. You know that they're, they're bright as F and that's what plants love, intensity and spectrum. Yeah, you know, we're actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned Brett's uh, grow earlier. We're actually going to be doing a grow off between him and Scotty. Uh, a couple of awesome. SK hundreds and uh, yeah, excited to see that. I'm looking forward to the fireworks because I know Scotty can stir the pot well. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, um, I helped hang uh, the, they have a, a SK 600 that they gave to the dude from the dude grow show. And I helped hang it up for him. And I mean, I was just blown away by this thing. So, um He's got a pair of them in there, and um, I, you know, I wish he would post more videos because he's talented and his plants look awesome. Yeah, you know, but uh, it's it's cool that he that he saw with his own eyes because in the beginning, you know, Or and I were speaking to Scotty and the dude, and we were like, "Try him. You don't believe? Here, try him. You yeah. tell me." 
all we ask is that you know you get the conditions right because a lot of growers and um, my people my age, I hate to say it, I'm the old effer here, and uh, really preconceived notions. This is how you grow. This is how you do it. The room has to be 73 degrees. Your humidity has to be like this, or you can get PM. And um, just like the Jungle Boys and other big growers, I'm really big on BPD. I've seen you know plants just take off. And one of the old things we used to do when we wanted to kill, like if you had a the broad mite infestation, is you'd get your room hot as hell. And um, that would usually get it hot and humid, and you'd kill off all the broad mites. So we did a test. We had a room full of live plants in mid-flower. We got the room up to over 115 degrees for three and a half hours straight. Mm -hmm. The plants only went to half mast. They didn't, eat, they didn't quit. They didn't die. And if you've ever grown with bulbs and your room got over 85, 88 degrees, you know that they were cooking. Granted, we you know I was there with uh, sixty-five degree water, just ready to go. Just but, in case. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Loaded and ready. Like or, or, or is always logical and practical. You know, he has great ideas, and we come up with cool stuff. But when it comes down to the nuts and balls, hey, don't mess this up, Brendan. That's or telling me that. Right on. Um, so, do you want to talk about um, like maybe a little bit of the difference between like achieving full spectrum? Sure. Through multiple diodes versus through a full spectrum yeah. diode itself. We actually had a, we actually had a question. We had a yeah. question from when uh, on our. We actually have a Facebook group, and we asked for questions. And the huh? one of the questions that they asked was, "What are the advantages of your style of, of LED over the ones that have different color arrays?" Which is, I guess, great. The same time. Great for asking that, and I'm glad the guy pointed it out that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, what full spectrum means is every color is in there, not just some. And there are people who put selective colored diodes in and call their lights full spectrum. Well, if you can see a hole or a notch where there's no measurement of light on their, their graph chart, it is not full spectrum. Full spectrum implies every color is in there. Well, it's, and, it's, also, hmm? it's also that, you know, people, people go with colored LEDs when that's kind of the wrong way to look at it. Colored LEDs are really inefficient. They're really low in lumens per watt. Mm -hmm. So going with a white LED, which is the highest lumens per watt, again, white has all the colors in the spectrum. So why not go with white, which gives you intensity, which was what plants look for first. They go for first, for sure. And spectrum, second, white, you know. The, the, the proof is you take your double-ended bulb. You know, does it have the absolute full spectrum? No, but it's very intense. We know they work. When everyone else was like trying to fight with each other, LED company, do this, do that. We're like, we don't want to fight with LEDs we know that don't work. We want to fight. We want to go toe to toe with the bulb people and make them sweat. And we do. Like our SK600, it uses 650 watts and goes toe to toe with an 1150 watt double-ended bulb fixture. Not just me saying this and hoping for miracles. Plenty of people posting their results online showing it. And one of our, you know, proudest things is that people show what they get with our lights. We don't have to do that much anymore because in the beginning people thought we were crazy. They just show proof. That's all I ever ask anybody. So uh, again, so going back to the question, that's that's why uh, you know when you're going with the low lumen per watt LED, that's why you're only going to get you know penetration of you know 12 to maybe 18 inches at best. Yeah, limited limited bandwidth or limited spectra. Red and blue, like Or mentioned earlier, only travel so far and can only penetrate so much in full spectrum bright white light with the intensity, the transporter of red and blue to the lower chloroplasts of plants is actually the green 
borderline yellow in the middle. So paradoxically, people kept saying for years that plants reflect green light. It is true. They reflect up to 15% of green light, and that's what we see with our eyes to, to point out the plants as being green. But the other 85% is doing us all favors, stimulating the lower chloroplasts. That's why we get better penetration deeper into the plant canopy than any other light source. Yeah, if you guys haven't had a chance to check them out, you guys have some pretty good, um, you know, sort of head-to-head grow-offs with different sure. lights that you guys have done yourself on your mm -hmm. YouTube channel, which I found very informative. And thank you guys for that, because I definitely learned a lot from those. And yep. if uh, any of our listeners haven't checked those out yet, definitely uh, go check them out, because it definitely illustrates what he's talking about in terms of the, the depth of penetration of, yeah. of their lights versus... You know, a number of your competitors in different mm -hmm. styles too, which sure. I thought was, and, you know, was very cool. It's cool. There's so many ideas in industry and trying things this way and that way, and that's that's great because it'll make things move forward. But um, I'm really proud of what we've done because we applied common sense and then looked at bulbs, looked at plants, looked at plant tissue, and said, "Well, what if we tried this?" And there was a point because we call ourselves the Four Horsemen that started this. The other two guys had an opinion, and Or and I did not let go of what we knew was the shit. And we, we just, we just, we had arguments. We fight like brothers. It was terrible. It got loud. And then finally, the, the four of us built the light the, the way Or and I wanted it to be. And that's when the real magic happened. The stacking, the, all the rest. We knew we had the secret sauce at that point. Awesome. Right yeah, I definitely know you guys are the, the pioneers on the, on the white light for sure. Uh, yeah. We had a question from chat. It says, what's your most efficient light? SK 600 that you know of now because as fate would have it in the you know the next six months we you know we never stop trying to make things better improving and uh, we have some new toys that will be out uh, you want to just tell them about the 140s well, well we'll have a whole department just bored if, if we stop creating stuff so we can't have that happen hmm. um, plus we'll, we'll like a tough job. <laughs> well we figure there's always a way to make things better, and if you mess around with enough, you're bound to figure it out. So we mess around with things a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, we are, uh, we, for those who uh, heard the rumors, we are coming out with a 140-watt version of the Closet Case and Mother's Little Helper um, in uh, mid-May to end of May. Um, and uh, that's pretty much going to be about 15% brighter than its current uh, way more model. 15. Is it? Oh, yeah. It's way more than yeah. um, when I love it because I have commercial gardeners and, you know, we, what we do is we build these toys. We play with ourselves. Then we'll call on some of the big guys we know that we trust their opinions. We'll say, hey, man, take this for a test drive and let me know what you think. And my favorite thing was two days later, I go in the office because Or is like a freak of nature. gets up way too early every day. And he gets in the office and I walk in. He has this just big old Cheshire cat grin on his face. I'm like, what? What happened? Did you get some last night? What's going on? And he goes, no, dude, Cody. I go, what did he say? He goes, he, he first thing out of his mouth was, give me more of these lights. Then we knew we had it right. Because for 140 it's, watts, when you see how bright these little efforts are, you know, to take over your small, you know, low ceiling grows and your... Oh, it was 30% brighter. That's what yeah, it was. 30, that, 35% yeah. brighter. Yeah, that's what it was. It's, it's, uh, we listen to what people ask for. And because we make our own products, you know, with, with Rami, we'll, we'll, we'll task him with something. And, you know, he's, he's kind of head nerd and I'm just... Uh, associate nonstop, let's make it better nerd. And or is like Captain Practical, hey, dude, do this and that, duh. And they treat us like we're dumb sometimes. But a uh, <laughs> lot, actually. And then so if you're, 
if your light's producing that, you know, is as bright as you say it is, then it, you know, obviously if it's not going to to light in terms of your energy consumption, so I would assume it's you know very uh, very cool light as well. Is that yeah? One of the things that we we really took here's something I'll you know say that maybe get me yelled at later, but what really drives me nuts about Lux Lumen Par is they all measure the same 400 to 700 nanometers. And that reason it was targeted like that, because that's convenient for quantum sensing manufacturers and for light bulbs to make themselves look good. Plants use more like the McCree curve, which is more like, you know, 350, even a little lower than that, up to 780 and even a little higher. And when you take all of that in, once you're passing 780, it's pretty much all infrared heat. Now, on anyone's chart, we can't see that. But that's what bulbs do. That, that the whole reason we have to keep our rooms cooler is because of that infrared light we can't even see. So we just took that out of the equation. So even though the light's super bright, super intense, it doesn't radiate heat down on your plant canopy. And that's the biggest win, because just like outdoor plants now, your room could be 85 degrees and the plants don't care. Yeah, you know, for, for, the, for those types of lights, you know, for the 100 watt series, you know, if you're using it in a four by four tent, you know, in a basement or in a house, uh, whatnot, all you really need, you know, and overkill really, it's a six inch oscillating fan, That that's it. <laughs> Um, do yeah, that's guys, great. Do you guys measure? Uh, so, would you guys measure PPFD as a better? Uh, I'm uh, I'm so glad you I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you, you want to talk about that. that. I'm so glad you brought that up because we've been asking for a while for par grids for all of our lights. We just said screw it. We bought one ourselves, and it's coming in Monday, and we're gonna have par grids for all of our lights, and that's gonna be posted. What drove me nuts is when we contacted every lighting testing facility in North America and Europe. We got carried away because we're like, somebody has to actually do this because they all measure something, right? What are they measuring in their spheres or measuring? They all measure lumens. Nobody actually measures in real labs that are supposed to tell us what we our products do and anyone else's products do. None of them actually measure part. They do mathematical extrapolations based on formulas and humans and formulas don't always go so well. So you see these numbers one time and one of the guys got back to me I'll, I'll leave the lab name out because uh, they actually re they're redoing their whole facility when I proved them wrong. Um, th they thought that they had the right thing going and they were giving out numbers and I went, hold on a minute, man. There's no way in hell this is accurate. And I'm not just saying that for my lights, but even these guys who I don't like, their lights are better than that too. So something's up with this, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty much exaggerating the, the wattage and it was making all the units inefficient. Hmm. Yep. And so uh, that's one part of it, but yeah, the, the, and then I found out that some quantum sensors that people use in their in their meters have an embellished curve spike at 555, which is you know the more of an orange yellow peak, which mm -hmm. bulbs have. So bulbs would look to ha appear to have better numbers. And when we went through all this nerdiness, um, I'm kind of OCD that way. And I always want to get it right. At one day, I just said, you know. What do your plants say? Because the only thing that doesn't lie are plants. And that's when we came up with our slogan, that plants don't lie, people do. What do your plants say? Because you send it to three different labs and get three different readings. But, you know, yep. my garden, look at your garden. What is it happy or not? That's the simplest answer I have for sure. the geek side of it. Because the meters aren't accurate. So do you want to explain to people a little bit about, um, you know, which method or which me, uh, methods you think is a better way of testing, like such as PPFD or maybe explain that a little bit for people that don't know uh, PPFD yeah. is kind of the best way to rate 
unless you guys disagree, um, uh, uh, the it's kind a, of the best way to read. Bet, it, I would say it's a better, it's a better way, way because your better way. your photon density per square meter it gives you an actual measurable space, not just a spot. You know, PPF. You know, your 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 par reading. A lot of guys will take their reading really close to like dead center and say, "This is our par output." When we measure from where their plants would actually be. Um, yep. Even in the beginning, when other guys were taking their bulbs and test chambers, saying they had 2,100 humals that your plant will never see. Because well, yeah, some of the lighting companies out there cheat. They, oh, yeah. you, in fact, uh, I, I know for uh, um, uh, I know what's it? Uh, I think it's Mars has those where they're angled at a 45 degree angle so that all three panels are hitting that spot, that sensor spot. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's cheating. It's not actually helping the plant at all. And then there's another company. I'll leave their name out, but. They put super narrow yeah. optics on their diodes, oh, shit. and you yeah. know it's like it was like friggin' photon torpedo colored flashlights, you know, pointing <laughs> dots like a disco ball at the ground. And I'm going, well, if they don't even blend, they're so narrow beam they don't even blend. This guy's put, put you know preaching these crazy crazy numbers. Yep. And Rami and I looked at that and went, wait a minute. Nora goes, this guy's got <laughs> narrow band optics. This is crap. I mean, this and, and yep was starting a little spar with us about a year and a half ago and we said hey man put up or shut up we'll put our lights up bring yours let's do it you know and then <laughs> that was the end of that discussion he didn't he never right. showed up never talked about it again i um, know uh, fish ganja guy will be joining us in about 10 minutes he has sure. a a thing um with you know real life until 10 more minutes so he'll be joining us to talk about the black dog versus uh spectrum king i know you, the spectrum king is definitely just destroying the black dog right now um well, and his side by, current is, side by side a couple years ago, we, we were doing a trade show, and we were setting up, and Orr and I left the booth for like 10 minutes to grab a snack and come back. We came back, and there was these two tall dudes, and just to give you a little perspective, I'm 6'1", and these guys were much taller than me. I think and I know two dudes you're talking going, about. They're going through the stuff in our booth. They're going through our lights, and they're saying, they're, and so me being me, at 100 feet away, I put on the theater voice to go, how you doing? Can I help you with anything? And... Uh, they're saying these these aren't grow lights, and I said why? They said you put plants under them and they grow plants really well. Doesn't that make it a grow light? No, these are high bays. You, you can't you can't use these as grow lights. And I said, well, when I do use them with grow lights, how about I put them on camera versus your your grow lights and let's see what happens. And that started a bit of a war at that point because um, Rami pushed it further than me, but then. Flash forward to November of last year at the show in Vegas, and our booth happened to be across the aisle from theirs. That's just how the people put us in the show. And they have this light which uses 1,015 watts, weighs 53 pounds, and sounds like a military jet taking off that was on full blast. And you couldn't see, you couldn't tell it was on because our SK600 was on across the aisle. <laughs> and since then, they've been nice to us. But, you know. I'm all for people pushing. If they come out with something kick-ass, it'll just make us work harder. I'm cool with that. I love it. I love to see good shit going forward. I'm tired of the, the segmentation and the finger pointing. Let's bring the whole thing up. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what, what I love mean? about you guys. You guys are always ready to throw down and always sending out, you know, different things for people to do side by sides. You guys really, more than anyone else in the market, really put your money where their mouth is, and that's why you guys have been successful. I mean, that's why I got a chance to see one of your lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Rami, a competitor at a trade show, we were in Spain at Spanimus, and this other dude came over, and Rami said, dude, this is what you need to do to fix your light. He just told the dude flat out, because he's like, bro, 
we're all in this thing, man. You know, get, get, let's 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 move it forward. Hey, think about it. There's yep. there's about two hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand bulbs disposed every single month. That's just here. That's just in the United States. I think that might even be just. I mean, it's ridiculous, but yeah. Again, and and, and how many of those bulbs are, are disposed responsibly? <laughs> we go with like ten percent, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And, Sorry. Uh, I want to go back to something that you said too a, mm -hmm. a couple minutes ago, which is that they were um, the company was exaggerating the amount of watts that are consumed by a plant, and that's kind of a theme that I find with LEDs a lot. And maybe you guys can talk about. You know, maybe even your struggles with talking with people that you want to convert over, but you know, they've read about somebody who bought some cheap light that you know it was a six hundred watt, but really it only yeah. you know, consumed less than three hundred watts. There, and there then calculates the... their watts per square foot based on a lie, and then goes around and tells everybody that LEDs don't work. So, you guys yeah. want to, you know, yeah, maybe share a little bit of perspective on that? Sure, man. There's a couple of companies that manufacture in China. Um, the, the brands, I mean, if you look at the, you see the same body with a different color. I mean, there's a few brands mm -hmm. that manufacture the same plant, plant over in Shenzhen, which by the way, Rami's actually been inside the factory because our commercial lighting side, street lights and things he has made over there sometimes. And, uh, they're claiming that at one point they were selling their products as a thousand LED watts. And I'm like, what is an LED watt? We always base it, here's what my fixture actually consumes. Our lights, what we publish is what they actually consume from a kilowatt meter at the wall, verified by UL certification and testing. And they're saying it's a thousand LED watts, but only uses 575 watts. So then it's a 575 watt fixture. It's, it's, it's because they, they say, well, they say it's, it's an equivalent of a thousand watt. So that's pretty much what it is. But it really they'll is. say that like they're, they have five watt diodes. Right. There, there are X number of them, and they just multiply the number of diodes by exactly. five watts, even though they power them at less than two and a half. Correct. So, yes. Um, you know, it's definitely misleading to consumers, and then mm -hmm. also, I think, want to advertise what the light actually consumes, right? Because if it yeah. doesn't consume it, it doesn't become light, and therefore, it doesn't matter. So, what you drive it at is what what really matters, and so. Yeah. But also. You know, Difficult when talking and trying to convert somebody over from, uh, or or at least even just talk to them about LED when comparing it to like HPS, for instance. Mm -hmm. They latch on to those is yeah, of uh, of people that weren't successful with it, and oh, and and really they were just you know either exaggerating in order to make you know I guess the company selling it is exaggerating it to make sales, and mm -hmm. uh, and the person that uh, that bought the light is talking about how LEDs are crap because then they don't have to talk about how they bought a cheap light. So it's, you know, it's sort of a, you know, catch 22 to where, mm -hmm. you know, I just think people need to be careful when you're looking at LED is, you know, what, what kind of LED are you actually looking at? You're not looking at a single bulb. Sure. You're looking at, you know, a variety of different bulbs linked together and they can be linked together in numerous ways. Yes. And, uh, it can be difficult to compare straight across. And so, also your raw materials. Yeah. I mean, yes, a, a lot of companies actually make diodes, but if I take a one watt, a two watt, or five watt, or a ten watt diode from companies A, B, and C, and I turn them all on, they're not going to be the same amount of light coming out of them, nor the same color light, nor the same duration or, or lifespan of those diodes. And 
one of the things that got us in the beginning was, you know, we tried, we've, we still putz around with other products just because we want to know if we're, we're still doing the right thing. And there's a drastic difference in output of diodes. So you can say, I've got 205 watt diodes, a thousand watt equivalent, but you're driving it at 60%, so you're actually using 600 watts, but the fixture only gives off, you know, 25,000 lumens, which is crap for 600 watts. But they can average market it as being in you know equivalent of a thousand watts only using 600 watts but it's what it gives off that counts that's why we come back to every meter you want to use every aspect ratio mathematical extrapolation formula what does it do to plants <laughs> put a light over plants and and th that's where we always did because we're gardeners who happen to make grow lights um if it doesn't make plants happy we're not going to put it out that's just dumb. Yeah, you know, again, that anyone that's like a do-it-yourself kind of guy, you know, you want to, again, look for a white LED. You know, I we definitely recommend Cree, you know, not only because we're branding partners with them, they have the highest junction temperature of any LED mm -hmm. manufacturer in the world. Break down what that means, the junction temperature. So You know, LEDs, you know, usually have a junction temperature of around like 90 degrees Celsius before they start to degrade. Um, you know, degrade meaning, you know, they start to fall off and you're not going to get the same amount of light as when you first got it. Um, Cree LEDs, uh, at least the ones that we use, can go up to 105 degrees C. So that's a 15 degree difference. Um, Celsius too, which is Yeah, more. Celsius. So it's uh, very, very drastic, especially when you're talking about a light that has a tight array and it's producing, you know, 80 plus thousand lumens. Um, that's a lot of, you know, heat inside over there. That's, that's, you know, and that comes down up. to the raw materials you put it exactly. on. Exactly. That's why, again, we use uh, our, our board is copper plate is, uh, gold is copper gold-plated front and back. Because that transmits heat away and electricity through better than an aluminum board, yeah. which most other people use a lightweight if, aluminum board. Gold is the best conductor. Yeah. If it's, but for, for geek speak, it's, it's R factor, means resistance factor. Most people have a board with a resistance of one, which means it's, it works, I'll leave it at that, but it's not gonna last you a long time and it's definitely not gonna live long because it's gonna stay hotter consistently and conduct current less efficiently than a higher over, It's gonna board. fail over time. Right, so when we learned that, and you know, Rami already knew it and he punched it in our heads after enough time, so we, it's, it's glued, but we've seen the difference. We, in our own torture tests, we put things to the ringer and the reason we use that, some guys say that big hunk of metal thing, well, we don't want any moving parts. I don't want a fan sucking goo in and making and gumming up and quitting over time. Our lights are IP65 rated, which means you could blast it with a hose when it's turned on, and it's not going to hurt it. And more importantly, that enough metal that's there, it never gets too hot. You can sulfur burn with our lights. Yeah, because they're sealed. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the different lights that you guys have available? And then I have a, a couple of yeah. questions from chat we'll get to after that. Okay. Um, well... From from the bottom up, we have the MLH and CC, Mother's Little Helper, and Closet Case, the 100-watt lights. Um, our Closet Case, you know, it was called Closet Case because we had a lot of guys and college students and people going in small spaces, a lot of Europeans, you know, who they just grow a few plants for themselves in a closet. So we made a light that works perfectly for a closet. And, we, and um, if you've seen any of the videos on YouTube, particularly, what's that dude to the three? Oh, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say his name. Um, he's, he's on his let's name. call him Mondo. Let's call him Mondo. Yeah, M Mondo, but but smoking duck. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and up, dude, it, I mean, I didn't even think. And granted, I love our lights, don't get me wrong, we use them, but I never yeah, took the time. Yeah, he got like 300 and 
36 grams? He got 336 grams. So he got 168 because grams. Feel free to mention his channel or whatever. Like you're more than welcome to. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, on YouTube it's S, S M O K I N D U G. Smoking Doug on YouTube. Um, he's got tons of videos showing our lights in action. He does the closet cases, but I mean, other guys were claiming I get a gram per watt, I get a gram per watt, and Doug calls me, he goes, dude, check out my videos. I'm like, okay. He got 1.68 grams per watt with 100 watt closet cases. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and it's not like he's a mad scientist playing with bottles and mixing up special formulas. He just uses regular bottle feed regime and just, you know, got his environmental conditions right. And when I talked to him about that, I'm like, dude, let it get hot. Let it get humid. Don't worry about it. That's, that's what they want. I said, if you were in Jamaica and you see the plants going outside, you think they look upset? He goes, no. I go, that's exactly what they want. You know, that's, that's cut. I'm, you know, Brendan, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. that, that's one thing with LEDs that a lot of people don't know, and there's a big misconception going around. Um, you can lose a race in a Ferrari. You have to learn how to drive the car first. I mean, I use that slogan all the time. Uh, you know, we're, we're car guys. That's it's what, what comes natural to us. Um, look at plants in Hawaii. Hot and humid, right? Going off, too. <laughs> exactly. So when you, look, when you look at lights in a grow room, what does an HPS produce? A lot of heat. So what are you doing to combat that heat? you're having that AC always on, so you're trying to get that canopy temp at around 74 degrees, 76 degrees at most, right? So when you go to LED, it's a more efficient light source. You're not having that infrared, which HPS and Gavita bulbs have a, sh a crap ton of. Mm -hmm. So once you switch light source, let's say our, our sun, for example, if we switch to a more efficient sun, we're gonna feel the effects here on Earth. It's gonna be freezing. Mm -hmm. So in your grow room, boost up the temps. Run your flower temps at 86. You know, um, and one of the things that I was glad when Jungle Boys published their articles and started talking about VPD was people, you know, they already thought we were crazy because we grow with LEDs and they thought we were crazy. We we're talking about running your rooms hot and humid. They're like, no way, that's going to kill everything. You're going to have mildew. Do you want um, to touch more on VPD? Um, we haven't actually had anyone really talk about that ahead of you. Like, we've mentioned mm -hmm. it, but we've never had anyone that had, had a lot of knowledge. And yeah, I'd yeah. love for you to explain that a little bit to the listeners. Okay. VPD is vapor pressure deficit. In a nutshell, hotter air can hold more moisture. So if you look at the chart, and I mean, I wish I had it in front of me, but basically, I look at the conditions of where most cannabis strains come from and a large portion of them are more equatorial you know are within you know 10 20 degrees of the equator so that they're from hot and humid environments so because we emulated the sun and then we remove the excess IR that bulbs have your indoor plants will grow more like outdoor plants and you give them their natural environment which is most places hot and humid for cannabis growth think of Hawaii I mean, back in the day, the original strain names told you everything. Colombian Gold, Panama Red, Maui Waui, Thai Stick. They were all jungle plants, you know? Um, once we got the vapor pressure deficit chart and you look at it, and you say, well, 85 degrees, you should have 75, 80% humidity. And that's actually in balance. Some people are going to say, you're crazy, you're going to get mold, you're going to get mildew. The exact opposite. When your temperature and humidity is in balance, be it at 70 degrees or at 85 degrees, those things are not going to happen. All you need is airflow in the room, moving the air around, because any, anywhere stagnant air is, 
is bad for anything anyway. Just like stagnant water is bad for it, anything. It's, it's like you're creating a trifecta. You're yeah. creating force on the plant's li on leaf surface. Right, and they get stronger, and they grow like wildfire. It's, it's really fun to watch. Um, we have a test R&D center with a new system we're playing with, and the AC quit today. Hmm. And um, his brother went in there like a madman, like turning fans, and I'm like, leave it, let it, let it get hot in you. Don't worry, just leave it. It's, you're, they're gonna be fine. It's too hot, it's too humid, I go Rami. Because Rami's old school, he's still, you know, he's been growing from back in the day, but he's like, dude, it's gonna get too hot, it's gonna do this. I said, just leave it alone. Plants are totally fine, they could care less, they're just waiting for it, you know, waiting for the feed and everything to happen, keep them going. When you're in balance, and if you look at the chart, and if you don't have a link, I can send it to you tomorrow. Um, there's a sweet spot, and it's indicated in gold boxes. And when you're in, uh, just outside of the sweet spot, it's in white, which is borderline bad. And then when you're in the blue off either side, you're, gonna, it's, you're either too hot, too dry, too cold, too wet, is when bad things happen. And a lot of people can't wrap their head around it, but essentially, the hotter your air, the more moisture it can hold, so it stays in balance. The cooler your air, the less moisture it can hold. So if you're hot and dry or cold and wet, that's when the plant stress releases stress pheromones and causes insects or gets mold spores because some plants are systemically susceptible to mold or mildew. They just need the right conditions. The downside is a lot of males, a lot of guys that grow will never admit that they didn't get their conditions right. They're gonna blame the nutrients, the lights, the whatever, you know. A lot of males, you said? Oh, yeah. <laughs> guys, because chicks, when chicks, when, I mean, when I first started telling women about this and gardening things, and I said, are you ever going to orchids? Yeah, well, hot and humid. There you go. Magic. You that, know, you have to make the stomata sweat. If, yeah. not, if you don't make the stomata sweat, the plant's not going to transpire, not going to, you know, it's not going to grow. Essentially, yeah. in your microbe. But if your plant gets powdery mildew, can't you just put uh, some Eagle 20 on there or something like that? Oh, yeah, oh, sprayed all over. At the end, <laughs> at, at week five, too, week five. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hear, week eight, week eight. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you should go to Eagle 20 and flush. Yeah, it's just, no. Um, just, <laughs> we're being facetious. Do not do that. No, please, <laughs> nobody. Just never. I mean, it's funny as hell. That's because you know exactly what not to do. Do not. Please. We're sponsored by no. Guardian. Yeah, there's Guardian works great. You know, sponsored you know, by Guardian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if your voice changes after your harvest, no reason. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't mind the cyanide in the uh, concentrate you just smoked. Yeah, but that's what I'm liking now. That there's a lot more organic solutions to that, and a lot more common sense, practical things that you can do to not get those problems in the first place. And VPD plays a big part in that. Your room's in balance, your environmental conditions are balanced, your plants are less susceptible to pests and pathogens. So you don't have to treat them with much stuff. Just remember, no Eagle 20. Yes. <laughs> but I don't, know if you guys, I don't know if you guys saw today, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but um, California released their list of pesticides that are not allowed. They don't have, a, they don't have an approved list. They have a, you're not allowed to use these lists, which okay. makes even less sense. Well, approved list is trying to work sense. with cannabis rules, is trying to figure it out, and they have people in power who know nothing about it, who are trying to find out what's supposed to happen. Yep, basically, so, you know, uh, so they could get PhDs from from you know UC Davis, which are in forefront of plant science, but they're not in forefront of cannabis plant science yet. And then there's knuckleheads in this industry that have been around forever. You know, I'm thinking, I mean, even even Ed Rosenthal could teach a few things. 
you know, to, to a PhD professor on cannabis, you know, and, Absolutely. Uh, Jay Kitchen, who writes books and really cool stuff, a dude from New York City that's up in Seattle now, I think, you know, he writes really cool stuff about the plant. I know some guys that have been written up in high times that I know, and now they've come around to the new way of doing things, but it was really hard to get them to understand. I don't believe in PGRs. Why? Because if read the label, not meant for anything consumed by humans or animals, then why would you put your, that on your plants? Because you get fatter buds? Yeah, and cancer. I don't want that. So, um, the, um, yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is, is our, um, what are your thoughts on, uh, since you mentioned PGRs, for people that don't know, it's plant growth hormones, or plant growth regulators, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on organic plant growth regulators, such as phytocyanin or um, some yeah. of the lactobacillus ferments that are out there? Aren't there some in kelp, too? Yeah, yeah kelp actually has a little right, bit. Kelp, but yes, there's a good one. Kelp is, is really interesting because you can, I mean, you can, your genotype, phenotype expression can, can be totally different as, as if you hit it with kelp at a certain spot in time. Um, those aren't carcinogens. They're naturally occurring Chemicals, granted, kelp and marijuana rarely, if ever, meet in a field. So uh, it's it's a strange marriage, but it's not an unhealthy one. So, but it's seaweed. What's that? It is seaweed. So no, it's seaweed. It's it's a yeah, but um, yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's not it's it's still gonna it's still safe for human consumption. You know, you could go in the sea in this in the ocean, yank a strand of seaweed and eat it. It might be a bit too salty for you, or really make you feel weird, but it's not gonna hurt you. You know, um, the other chemical ones, you know, the uh, paclobutrazol, etc., that people were using for years. It's just it's a known carcinogen. And then there were guys selling it under the counter, and then they were selling it at the back door, and then they were ordering it from states that didn't figure it out yet, you know. And if you've been around the plant for a while, you kind of get tuned to it. And I'm going to point at my proboscis, because this thing's pretty accurate, but this guy here, um, you crack a jar that's with the wrong stuff in your thing, and it's like, close it, no. I mean, <laughs> he's got a very accurate nose, and mine's pretty sensitive. You get, to, you get tuned to the smelling those things, and you know it's just not right. I mean, even, even you know, we, we were doing like a little cannabis cup with Remo. Uh, you brought like 23 different strains to our office. Oh, God, that was Immediately, I smelled the mold in one. You know, I, no, one, no one smelt it. Um, I, mean, I do have the biggest nose in the office. But well, um, most accurate. I was talking <laughs> both sides. But the funny part was he opened the jar, and, they, and Remo wasn't sure for a second. Or said, no, it's got mold in it. And he's like, no, it doesn't. And, and uh, Raymond goes, let's take a look. He cracked the butt open and sure is in the middle. There it was. I mean, of one second, if the jar was open one second, or said, that's got mold, like yep. Rain Man, you know, just blurting it out, Tourette's Syndrome style. It's even easier when you're smelling pounds. So. Yeah. Oh, God. If you walk into a room, it smells like, like a foot locker. Bag. Or no. like a, a high school locker, locker room. Oh. I remember um, back in the day, of a dude saying, I got this killer weed, and he brought the bag, and he cracked the bag open. I'm like, get the out of here with that. <laughs> no, no thank you. Those aren't trichomes. You flick, yeah. you flick it and the cloud comes off, that's not trichomes. So you guys, uh, um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about, we actually had a question in chat about um, uh, which of your lights is best for clones and raising th uh, smaller plants. Do you want to talk about the closet mm -hmm. case and the uh, mother's little helper as far as what they're good for, and then maybe touch mm -hmm. on the SK600 sure. as well? Okay, the mother's little helper, as its name implies, was for initially meant to maintain mother plants. It's also for your nursery, you know, cuttings, popping seeds, you know, vegetative state plants. 
the closet case and the mother's little helper have the same body, but not the same intent. The closet case is meant for your smaller grows, for smaller plants that you're going to flower from seed to harvest. So, you know, you cover a little two and a half by two and a half area, maybe three, you know, maybe if that three feet tall, preferably less, you can get, grow your own medicine, do it yourself, have fun with it, and have a healthy little crop. Some guys have done a lot better with them, but, you know, if you have the time and space, you know, people can get pretty inventive. So the Mother's Little Helper is a veg light. It's more like the midday sun, and uh, that's when plants veg more, not flower more. Some people don't grab that one yet. But when the sun first comes up and when the sun sets, the first few hours there are, are when at the angle of incense, the atmosphere, it triggers the plant to wake up and start flowering, and it also triggers to go to sleep at the end of the day. F plants are flowering more between 7 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then like 1.30, 2 p.m. to 7, 6, 7 p.m. at night. They're flowering in those times predominantly, and they're vegging right smack in the middle. Um, so you have a 5,000 Kelvin, which is more like the midday sun, on your mother's or helper, and your closet case spectrum is more closely linked to our bigger lights, the 400 plus and the SK600, just for flowering, you know, smaller plants. Um, you know, the mother's little helper, it's uh, 5,000 Kelvin, uh, has a lot of blues and it has a lot of greens. I mean, you do see it as like a whitish, bluish tinged light, but uh, what's inside is uh, a lot of a lot of greens, um, which with, in conjunction with blues promotes tighter node spacing mm -hmm. and, and, and thicker stalks. So uh, that's, that's, again, why 5,000 Kelvin... 5,000 Kelvin and 5,500 Kelvin are, are really the ideal spectrums, but 5,000 Kelvin is what you'll find on the market today that's pretty available. Um, even if you're building your own light, you know, if you want to, you want to specific purpose it, I mean, if you want a Swiss Army knife that can do the whole run from start to finish, you want to be a lower Kelvin temperature than that. But uh, what we did is pick lights that, A, the transition from light to light won't be a massive shock to your plants. Like you're taking a metal halide bulb that's 6,500 Kelvin or higher and then slapping under an HPS, which is like 2,700 Kelvin, um, the shock and transition stress can really freak the plant out. Um, when you give them a less of a transition and more intensity, the, the plants stack, they're thicker, they're stronger, and uh, it's just an easier transition. The Mother's Will Helper is definitely your, your, your little veg light of doom, the, 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 MA, the 140-watt version. Sorry, I do stutter. The MLH-140 uh, is going is just a step up for someone who wants to veg a little bigger or a little more aggressively. Yeah. Like the Closet Case 140 is coming out, same thing. You can, you can flow up to a 3 by 3 area from seed to harvest with one light and only 140 actual watts drawn from the wall, not creative math watts. Yeah, you know, there's there's like certain types of light, you know, even even for chickens, you know, if you're farming, if you're, if you're growing chickens, you know, their blue and, blue and green light promotes muscle growth and, and, and intakes of higher protein, whereas, you know, if you use the wrong type of red light, you know, for, for when you want the chickens to mate, um, you know, then uh, then they'll start, they'll start eating each other, start cannibalizing each other because it's the wrong spectrum of red, it'll make them psycho. Hear that? We can start a chicken riot if we want to. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of science when it That's goes awesome. to lighting, but it's pretty simple. Oh, you know. We had a, another question mm -hmm. from chat, which was, where is it? Do you, are you guys using spheres to measure like some of the other lighting companies? I'm not, I'm we, what we did a, a few times now, 
this is what I told you earlier, but I was really frustrated with what labs actually sent back to us because we, we bought a lot of other people's fixtures and we sent them off to the lab to get tested. We got things back. And for example, when you send a light bulb to the lab, it's measuring 360 degrees because the bulb throws light 360 degrees. So they're taking the surface area of the sphere in their mathematical equation going, it's hitting with this much, therefore this much area, this much intensity equals the bulb does this. Well, the problem with an LED, which doesn't throw 360 degrees, but depending on what the manufacturer is and what they've done to it, anywhere from 140 to narrow optics, a lot, lot tighter, but they're using the whole sphere to measure and dividing it by, so they're making the LED look like it doesn't perform well because it doesn't hit all 360 degrees of the sphere. Until they get the test right, they actually measure PAR and PPFD, and they actually measure where the light goes then we'll have a more fair system. But right now the labs haven't got to that point. That's You take 650 watts of our SK600, you put live plants under it, you put in the next room a 1,000 watt or 1,150 watt double-ended bulb fixture, and you see that they're growing both really well and very similar. Yet if you put them in a sphere, you're going to get different numbers because they're still going to measure the whole sphere that the LED doesn't touch half of it only touches less than half of the bottom of it. So as far as math goes, it can make the LED look fixture look bad, but in reality, under plants and with a meter directly under it, it tells a totally different story. Thanks for clearing that up. Um, we had another question. How long will Spectrum King lights run until they need to be serviced or replaced? Well, if you keep your environmental conditions in check and don't have your place over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, it most likely it'd be something like seven years before you noticed any difference in light output on the big boys. Um, the 100 watt lights have a three year warranty, which is they'll go years longer than that. If you keep, we've had one on for over a year straight, right here, right here, that it's still fine. There's no difference. The output's exactly the same. Um, it's technically speaking, they have a five year warranty in the big lights, and unless you drop it or you have a leak electrical storm or like a power blowout or you know a disruptive service that's the only time we have things happen you know it's a light bulb degrades from the second you turn it on most commercial gardeners that grow with with double ended bulbs or single ended bulbs replace them at least twice a year some 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 double ended guys replace their bulb once a year and they don't replace their reflective insert but if you didn't read their manual when they bought that light that insert goes bad and supposed to be replaced every year with the bulb or you get less reflectivity and less actual plant light on your canopy. Uh, that much money you spend on the replacing those parts, at the end of the day, the LED is actually significantly cheaper to own and operate, even though it costs more up front. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, again, going back to the warranties, we offer a two-part warranty, five-year on anything mechanical for us, again, for our big boys and then three year for optical. So we guarantee 90% output for three years. Or better, yeah. yeah. So you know, if, if you have a light bulb, after three months, you're already below 90% output. We're giving you three years guaranteed, at least 90% or better output. And our, our stress test in the LM79 and LM80 data, which is third-party laboratory confirmed data, shows it to be most likely like 6.7 to 7.4 years before an actual noticeable difference to the human eye would take place. Hey, I got a uh, question for you. Sorry, figured this is the first opportunity I had to jump in. Um, mm -hmm. Take it on.
the lights for a second. Something you brought up earlier that I just wanted to follow up on. You said that depending on when you dose the uh, any kelp or seaweed, it could have a difference on or make a difference on the phenotypic expression. Um, in your experience, what have you noticed as far as uh, dosing times and what you've seen uh, changed? Well, I noticed plants that were squatter and more bush-like that were dosed a couple times earlier on in their development than plants that were dosed later or were not dosed at all. And it was the same, you know, literally like clones from the same plant that were vegged the same environment, same media, same nutrients, just treated differently, intentionally or otherwise. And you get plant, it looks like it almost like a different, different strain if you, get, if you hit them at the right time. Um, just like a steady dose or just hit them hard with it? Um, um, how would you recommend? It's, I'm not, I don't use, I mean, seaweed in that way. I use it, well, in teas and things, I suppose. So I'm still getting some of those, those phytohormones. But yeah, same. Yeah, it's uh, as far as an individual product to, to use, I know people that use that product that way. I personally don't. I just happen to witness in other gardens that I've been in and talk to friends that are obsessed with finding the, their own secret sauce. So they're trying it on, you know, tray one, not tray two. They're trying it on, you know, this strain, not that strain type of thing. And if you want tighter node spacing, give them a better light source. Uh, I mean, that sounds silly to you, but... If you take Skywalker OG under, that's growing underneath uh, an HPS bulb, your node spacing could be six, seven inches apart. You take that same strain, cuts from the same mother plant, put them under LEDs, and they'll be, the plant will be a, at, at, at harvest, it'll be a foot and a half shorter than the, the HPS plant, and it'll have more buds on it, and they'll be closer together. Getting the right yeah, light to right, the plant has the same effect as those phytohormones. Groovy. Thank you so much. We had another question um, from chat. How does your Spectrum King lights measure on a scale of CRI? Oh, that's a good one. Um, CRI, uh, Color Rendering Index. What that is, is the quality of light to the human eye to see more detail. Um, we generally have CRI, you know, 80 min, 90 min, but what, what that means is sunlight, for example, on a good summer day is like a CRI of 97, 98. You know, it's going to change the distance from the light picture can make a change a little bit. We have lights that generally get 90 or better. Yeah, I mean, depending on where you measure it, you know, because the, the spectrum does change a little bit the farther you go from the light source or at what angle you point it at. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so generally we measure between 87 to around uh, 96. Awesome. Um we had a, uh, do you guys want to talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, hold on one second. I have a list of stuff here. Let me pull it up. Um, you know, the difference in both power usage and heat output between LED and some of the other options on the market and how that can definitely save you as far as running costs for people that are thinking about starting a grow room or even a commercial grow, why the LEDs are kind of a, a much more of an advantage. Well, you know, with with the cost of the pound going down, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, last time I, I sold the pound for over here to a dispensary, uh, you know, it was for like nineteen hundred, and uh, you know, with the, with it just going down and down and down, you know, and your 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 cost to run your operation is still the same. You know, running your HPS bulbs, you're not going to be making anything. In fact, you're going to be losing money at at some point. Um, 
and you know why why induce more stress into your life you know more stress into your life is more stress in your garden um you know so that's that's again why people are, are starting to make that switch to led and they're starting to really realize that on a commercial scale particularly in large facilities we are knocking 60 to 70 percent off their power bill every month combined everything combined when you think of running with bulbs a lot of guys who still use hoods they have inline fans they have air conditioners that, that there's a lot more power being used to keep that facility going with LEDs, you don't need as many inline fans. We're using a lot more, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot less power, giving you a lot more light with less watts. And you can run your rooms warmer because we're not having the infrared, which heats the plant canopy up. So that results in significantly less reduced tonnage in AC as well. So if you can knock that much off your power bill, the lights pay you back in a short period of time on a large scale, even on a small scale. If you're paying, like in LA, if you're paying, you know, 24 cents a kilowatt hour, you buy one of our lights, it's already paid you back within the first year, and then it's just, for, you know, for the years to come, you got nothing to do other than smile at your power bill. Yeah, you know, and then when you're talking about LED versus LED, you know, again, it's it's about white light versus blue and red light, mm -hmm. and, and then when you go into the actual design of the heat sink, you know, it does, difference. That there's a very big difference. For instance, our none of our heat sinks, none of our, our fixtures have any fans. There's zero moving parts. Mm -hmm. We're strong believers in, in a sealed light. Uh, yeah, the IP65 rated sealed light means it's absolutely silent. It's such a change when you swap over from all that, you know. I have friends that knew me for years. I had no idea what color eyes I had because they'd never seen them because I was always squinting because I was working under bulbs. And, you know, the, the headaches and the migraines I got from the buzzing and the, the ballast clicking noise, all that stuff, it's just gone. And just sheer quiet and the outstanding fans in the garden, just a little, that's it. So it's a huge well, change. it's also good because fewer moving parts, fewer fail points. Right. No points of failure. And that's the yep. biggest point why, Rami, we, we were talking beginning, we were so big on it. We're like, listen, if I put this damn thing up, I don't want to have to worry about a computer fan that's not supposed to be in a wet and humid environment, sucking in bugs, whatever, or quitting and starting the thing on fire or whatever. Or PM, yeah. Um, so we went for IP65, which means it's certified safe for a wet and humid environment, which gardens it. are. You can wash it. You spray it with water. You, know, you can you wash know. it with hydrogen peroxide if you wanted to. Yeah. But you got guys that, that they're foliar bombers are so happy with our lights. They actually spray them just because they feel like it's funny, just because they know nothing's going to happen. Because back in the day, if you've ever had a hood blow up on you and yep. shatter, you know what I mean? It's like you, that glass shower is not fun. I've had a, I had a uh, co-worker of mine drop a 400-watt halide that he just shattered because he splashed the bulb when he used to work on fish tanks into a reef tank sure. with my arms in the thing, and it literally threw me out of the oh. tank. Like, it physically threw me about three or four feet. It launched you like a rocket, an electric yeah, flash. It literally, yeah. it literally launched me out of the fish. I had my arms in the fish tank and literally launched yeah. me out of the fish tank. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, been there, done that one. I'm sorry you went through that, but at least you're able to tell the story. Right? I yeah. can only be thankful for that. Yeah, you know, it can I takes get a question less than real quick? To kill you. It, 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 or just said. It, it, takes, it takes less than one amp to kill you. It just has to hit you in the right spot. Yep. I guess maybe your part Now, mind if I ask a question real quick, guys? Sure, fire away. Absolutely. Uh, basically, all I wanted to do was uh, allow you guys to set the record straight. Uh, one thing that I've seen... Um, 
while researching what LED lights to buy and uh, just skimming through Amazon, as probably most people do, uh, you find these little LED lights uh, manufacturers that are probably made at the same company in China that you guys were talking about earlier yes. that advertise that infrared light is actually helpful for your plant. So are you guys saying it's, that infrared no. light is completely just no. extra and you don't want it? No, I'm saying just like UV, uh, a, a small dose of IR and UV stimulate the plant's immune system to produce more secondary metabolites, aka trichomes and THC, but too much is bad. Just like anything, moderation. A healthy dose works. Okay, cool, cool. You know? Yeah, you do want IR, yeah. again, just, just... You want to too, stimulate, yeah. If, if you look at a healthy... You just don't want too much. Correct. Look at a trichome. If you look at a healthy trichome, it's standing straight at attention. Standing looks, up straight. It looks like a penis at a bus stop. It's just, you know. Yeah, if you want, if you want to use that terminology. Yeah. <laughs> when I look at trichomes, I don't like to think of penises, but I'm sure. Um, you know, and, and when you look at a, a, at a trichome that's been scorched by infrared, it's you'll deformed. see it's deformed. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the reasons when we did test against um, a double-ended bulb and we beat it by three to four percent on THC production was simply because the IR of that bulb was damaging the trichomes while the plants were finishing. I mean, wh why, do you, why do you think a lot of guys mm. run their Gavitas at 750? They turn them down because they turn them up. They, they cook the plant too much. They cook the trichomes away. Yep. So uh, uh, on that, we actually have uh, uh, two questions. One, um, is there uh, any UVA or UVB uh, in your fixtures or, you know, uh, put out by your fixtures? And the other one, um, was I'm sorry, I'll, I'll think of the other one once you answer that one. Well, U UVA, there's a small dose again. We just put small doses at the bookends, as they call it, just outside of what you can see in a, on a, on a par chart or on a you know, lux or lumen 400 nanometers. You know, dipping into 300s, a bit of UV to stimulate, and a dipping over 700 to 800 for the IR. Yeah, the you know, we, we do have supplemental lights that are going to be launched. I mean, if you looked at our uh, YouTube channel, we do have a UVB light bar um, that's going to be released. Uh, don't quote me on this, but the retail is set to be like $349, around there, $399. It's July, I think we're going to get that one ready. Um, so yeah, again, just uh, you can be our YouTube channel just to take a look at it, but uh, that's only UVB. Um, the reason we didn't put a UV fixture together sooner was the paradox of a UV diode is that it was suicidal. It was actually cooking itself and, and damaging its own substrate whenever it was turned on. It wasn't until we found the right materials in the thing that we could actually do make something that works and will last like our other lights because we didn't want to put out something that you had to replace every six months that was not cheap. That's just not fair, you know? So it took, we were frustrated because Orr or was on this two and a half years ago. He was preaching to us we needed to make it. And he was right, but at that time, the, the, the stuff wasn't robust enough. It wasn't, it wasn't ready to, to go. Now we finally figured it out, and there's a couple other curveballs I suspect that this guy right here is going to come out with um, next year because we figured out a couple other things that uh, are requiring a lot more research but look awesome. promising in that part. Um, if you, you use UV, please protect your eyes. You're not going to see it, per se, but you're going to feel the pain. UV will destroy your vision in a hurry. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people use uh, UVC in their air handlers. Uh, you know, UV, sure. UVC, UVC, mm -hmm. yeah, UVC is great for killing, uh, you know, bacteria, germs, um, PMs. Yeah. 
you know, it's uh, it's great, you know, a lot. Of, so that that's another thing that we're hopefully going to come out with. But you don't want to ever expose your eyes to it. And that's oh, no. one of the problems we had when we were making this fixture. We're like, well, we know plants need it, in particular the last two weeks to really, you know, up the special sauce in the trichome and the THE production. But I don't want to have somebody sue us to, out of existence because they cooked their eyeballs looking at it. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're actually yeah. working with some sunglass manufacturers right now to make special glasses for our lights and particularly for the ports when we have the, the finisher. Method 7. Because, uh, you know, we want people, I'm, I'm down for people growing, and I tell you, I've been growing for a while. I just, not to date myself, my first foray with uh, peddling cannabis was 41 years ago. Um, it's it's a, a good thing that it's, it's moving forward, and I'm, I'm psyched to, to see the results of it, but I'm still wary of what it can do to your eyes. And we, would you guys, uh, and that's one thing I would say, if you're working under any grow light, doesn't matter if it's LED, HED, yeah. anything, if you're working under it all like long term, either in the industry or you're going to keep it growing, definitely, you know, definitely consider wearing some eye protection. It will save your eyes in the long run. And a hat. Yep, and a hat. You only yeah. have. Oh yeah, I'm in the garden right now. I've got my Oakleys on. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. You know, as long as you have you know quality lenses that are going to protect your eyes, you'll be fine. But a lot of guys, you know, they they just don't. And then. Like I told you that I used to be squinty so much that people had no idea what color my eyes were because they'd never seen it. Was I was always walking around, you know, with my eyes basically closed because I had migraine from the bulbs and from being around them. Um, and the, what I learned as I got older is that it's not the reds from the HPSs that, that that really do permanent damage. It's actually the blues from metal halides that really screw your eyes up. Yep, I've also noticed with some of the other LEDs on the product uh, on the market with with the different color diodes can definitely be. Pretty brutal on your eyes. Yes. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Do you want to talk about um, the proper distance between your different lights and the plants? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll go. I'll go from the top down. The SK six hundred, you know, can can veg a pretty good sized area by itself. You know, you can do an eight by eight really easily as long as you have the vertical space in the room to put it four feet or so above the plant canopy. Um, in flower. You can bring it down to 30 inches above the canopy. Some strains, you could be a couple inches closer, depending on the strain, if it's light hungry or not. Sensitive strains would be a few inches higher. Um, so the SK600 can cover up to a five by five area, 30 inches over the plant canopy. Stepping down to the next level, we have the 400 plus, two reflector options. The 400 plus with a 90 degree reflector, you can have that in three, three feet, three and a half feet above the plant canopy to veg up to about an eight foot circle, seven foot really. And then um, 18 inches above the plant canopy during flower to get your four foot, your standard four foot tray. For That's for taller plants with higher ceilings. And uh, above eight foot ceilings, preferably you'd want to use the, the 400 plus 90 if you're using a four by four tray. The 400 plus 120 degree reflector is made for lower ceilings and shorter plants. Still dealing with a four by four area in flower and you know, you could, you can get light will go a bit wider, but you'd you'd veg like a six by six with it if you had it three feet over the top. Then stepping down to the closet case, uh, the closet case is basically you're you're if you're doing your one light from seed to harvest, you'd have it two feet over your seedlings. You'd have it like you know eighteen inches over your your veg state plants. Then you'd let down about a foot during flower, maybe a little closer. We've had one guy who grew this raised his plants right into the light which I wouldn't recommend, but it was still 
the, the buds were okay, despite the fact this guy was a knucklehead. Yeah, I mean, when I when I first used the closet case, I found it. I found that my sweet spot was around 16, 15 inches. Again, every every strain is different. Mm. You have to look at the uh, the plants. You know, the leaves. The leaves will tell you everything. If they're standing yeah. up straight, if they're not tacoing, yeah. don't change a thing. If they're high five in the room, leave it alone. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we actually have Fish Gunge guy with us who's been running a side-by-side cool. -side and he'd love to talk to you about yeah, that. That's actually who was asking some of the questions earlier. So sure. I'm not going to let you guys take the floor here and let him talk about that. He's going to turn his camera on in a second and uh, okay. broadcast that. And that's then cool. um, you guys can talk about that a little bit. Hey, guys. Um, so everything is going great in the side-by-side -side, despite my efforts to destroy everything. Uh, as Horror knows, I had a little... Lately, turns out, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, aerated teas were anaerobic up until about a week ago. Um, no, don't but, breed uh, that. Yeah, no, Evil. No one needs to know. And, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen what a Spectrum King garden looks like, let me make sure the camera's not on. Yeah. But, and they're just sugar coated. That's when I, that word came out of my mouth the trichaliciousness. Because I was trying to figure out a way to describe it, and I couldn't, and that, that came out of my head. Is your mic, is your camera on? Going in here, man. It'd be fantastic. Is your camera on? I'm not seeing anything. I'm, I'm not seeing, but I'm having trouble yeah. hearing him, too. Yeah, he's... got great nodes stacking on these, and just everything's looking beautiful. There we go. Now it's working. I got him up. <laughs> oh, no, went away. Oh, is he still there? I can't hear him, either. Yeah, I uh, guess he's not getting a very good connection where he is in the garden. It's them ballasts. Yeah. From the other lights, not yours. That'd be true. We don't have any ballasts. Exactly. <laughs> Your yeah, drivers. I, I can see I can see some <laughs> ballast lines on uh on Marty's screen. Yep. Yeah, these are uh they're old four hundred watt. Oops, no, okay, good. Yeah, they're Old 400 watt metal halide ballast, so they're magnetic ballast, and then sure. I have conversion bulbs in them, so they're running ceramic metal halide bulbs. Okay. For lamps, I guess. You know, you, you will actually see that in some LEDs. Uh, you, you you actually can see it in some of ours, uh, the MLH and CC100, the uh, driverless, the driverless versions, because it's off AC technology. Um, you know, running straight off the wall. There's no power supply. There's no driver. Uh, there's, you know, ICs on the board itself that pretty much filter the voltage coming in. Um, and uh, the lines that you're seeing is actually the hurt, the frequency of the power coming in. Mm -hmm. um, so, we're seeing on his screen there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same exact thing. Back in the day, you used right. to try to take pictures of your grow. It was always so frustrating because yeah. you had to like, wait for that, that millisecond between cycles to try to capture the clean Some frame. Some guy tried to return his light because of that. He couldn't take pictures of his plants. He oh, like, man, that was ridiculous. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry we got off that tangent, but just seeing your picture in the background with, with, with the Hertz cycles going through the frame just reminded us of that the driverless yeah. lights. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I know he's been doing a side-by-side, -side and uh, 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 I know there was uh, another. Uh, did you want to talk more about that, uh, Fish Conjure guy? Um. Yeah, I just uh, want to thank you guys again for giving me the go-ahead and being supportive of uh, doing it, um, being able to do this side-by-side uh, -side between two mm -hmm. lighting companies. The difference that the spectrums have, it's just been really impressive to me as far as the vegetative growth, uh, sure. the lushness of the canopy on one side, and, 
Um, I can't wait to taste the difference in the flavors and uh, get the lab testing done at the end to really see spectrum light compared to the Phytomax yeah. spectrum from Black Dog really brings out in the plant. Mm -hmm. That's what's when at the beginning when I said I wanted to invent smell-o-vision because when we first did those tests and we, people would come in, they were just saying, what a difference in the, in the just touch plant smell, touch plant, touch a bud smell. It's such a difference. Even, you know, Stevie Wonder would tell you which one's better. And uh, under those the other lights, you, you, you see difference in the plant of phenotype expression, the bud stacking, spacing, etc. Uh, yeah, you do. It's, um, let me give you an example. Let me get the camera on. I'm, I remember you saying, uh, it's a little noisy here, but I remember hearing something about um, the images were coming out a little uh, distorted because of the light is being projected, but let me show you. This is a screen from uh, Humboldt Cedar 3 or 42. Uh, it's called Up to the Titan. It's so we got some good node stacking right here. Very turfy. There it is over there as well. I think, I think your, your bandwidth, bandwidth is, is really limited, low. so it's not letting the video come through. Yeah. There we go. We got a picture. You did? Lucky you. It did for a second. <laughs> oh, I wish you guys could see that. I feel horrible that it's not why don't you? Why don't you do a YouTube, a short YouTube video to, to go with yeah. this episode or something? Can you post a clip tonight? That'd be awesome. And actually, on that note, uh, uh, Marty was talking about the YouTube, video, uh, YouTube channel for Spectrum King. If you guys go to the description, there's a link to both their website and to their YouTube, um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, on that note. What I would say is that, yeah, yeah we have plenty of things on our own channel, but. Okay. Yep, and if you guys are wanting to, to see the exact thing that he's talking about, you can go to Fish Ganja Guy's channel and see the exact side-by-side. Uh, -side. But uh, nice. Marty was touching on some of the other side-by-sides uh, -side that are available uh, from the Spectrum King site as well. Yeah, I was saying we have videos in our own channel, but if you just type Spectrum King LED in YouTube, you'll find hundreds of people's clips. Yeah, also show. Instagram. If you go yeah, on Instagram, Instagram yeah. That's yeah, pretty cool. I'm, I'm very proud of that because people like to talk about things that work and they like to bitch about things that don't. But when it comes to gardeners, if they have something that doesn't work, they don't want their friends to know they got something that doesn't work, so they just don't talk about it. Um, right. The weirdest thing, it's like people like your lights. Um, and I'm okay with it because, you know, that's what nothing better says that, hey, these things actually work. Maybe the hippie's crazy, but he's telling the truth. That's the only, the only thing I want to You're crazy, to. hippie. Go hug a tree. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Orr's big thing in me, lady. He's like, I'll say something. You go, go hug a tree, hippie. I'm like, okay, fine. If that's how it's going to be. Walking up there. Now he put himself on mute. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was talking and didn't think I didn't have the uh, the thing going. Um. Uh. So do you guys want to talk about the difference in in heat output between the two different lights, uh, or not between your? I mean, as far as your lights versus the other different type of type of lights that are out there. Okay. Well, um, because you kind of touched on that earlier with the with the air conditioning costs and the ventilation costs and things. There's a thing. I'm gonna my infrared gun out right now and tell you exactly what the uh, surface temperature on the leaves are in my garden too, if you'd like. Sure. You that. That, that's that's totally cool. Um, one of the things I want to clarify about heat production and and what's the engineering formula for heat and for consumption or BTU production 
is a watt is a watt is a watt. They don't give a shit what it came from. Then a watt is a watt is a watt. So they say your light uses 650 watts. It's 3.412 BTUs per watt, therefore 2,217 BTUs. Um, that's what the formula says. And the reason bulb manufacturers go with that formula, because it doesn't take into account the secondary production of heat from infrared and radiator effect of cheap aluminum and thin metal. So anyone that's on a commercial scale or a big garden that's grown with double-ended bulb fixtures knows that on paper you're supposed to be able to use three per ton of air conditioning, but in reality you can only use two. According to the engineering formula, you can use 5.4 of our SK600s per ton of AC. We have plenty of people using six per ton, and we have these guys with a large facility, they're using eight per ton and swearing it's working fine. I, I wouldn't go that far, but they, yeah, they're dude, doing it, and they're proving got, it, it's working. One of, some of my guys got uh, 40 of our SK600s in a room with only five tons, got the room up to 100 degrees, and were able to cool it back down easily. That's crazy. That's yeah, awesome. and, and uh, you know, if you if, let's put it this way, where we're at, we're in we're in LA. You know, we got a, a, just our own little test little test one of our test gardens. We we torture things and play with them. Have a four light grow up going here. Everything else, the house, the AC units, the, you know, in the house, the, the split, the whole thing. Water. Water, trash, sewer, all electric, all in the same bill. And for every two months, I'm paying 365 375 for everything included on the bill. No one has an effing clue that we have lights going anywhere, from, you know, from 12 to 18 hours a day every day because they're so efficient. They don't make any noise. It just works. Yep. Yeah, don't you think it's a disservice that when people start calculating, like when they, they, it seems like they only care about the power that's consumed by the lights itself instead of the overall growth. Right. You it's, know, like when you start spending power to create heat to then spend power again to cool back off. Vicious cycle. It's like yeah. they don't understand that that's a double, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's working against yourself in two different ways. And so back um, in the day, we if yeah. you had a thousand watt bulb up, you would count 2000 watts per tray, like for four by four space of what you're actually consuming. It was between right. the AC, the ventilators, the, the oscillating fans, and the, the bulb itself, you were counting 2,000 watts consumption for every four by four. If you look at our light versus another light, we're saving 45% power. So guys say, you're a liar, you only save 45% power. And I'm like, that's just in the light side. Right. And on the cooling side, that's where the other 25% is coming from. If you don't believe me, try it. And we have a guy that's a, uh, He's he's a he's an extract guy. He just he grows specific trains for extracts, and his bill was the same for like six seven years, like clockwork. He was doing the same thing, same thing, same thing. Right. We got him to switch over to our lights, and he was not known for being the most expressive, happy person. He's a different human now. Yeah, I know. He's a totally about. different human. You know, big man. Um, he's all friendly and hey, dudes, come on over. Right, I'll show you something. And he brings out his electric bills and slaps them down. His bill's one third of what it used to be. And now this is, he's two and a half years deep with us. He's one of our first big guys to take him on. He shows me his electric bills every month and smiles. He goes, my, my, his wife's a CPA, which is even funnier. She goes, our retirement funds is totally full now. She's leaving me alone. I can do my thing. I go, well, that's good for you then. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was literally. <laughs> you can ask for right there. Yeah, he was like literally the first one ever vegging. What was it, like a, a 12 by 6 on the light mover with an SK400? 12? Yeah, it was 12 by 4. Was twelve by four with a, with SK six XA four hundred the four hundred yeah, series the, first, the original the first one on a light mover was doing it with that and getting the results. 
I wouldn't recommend it, you know, but he, he was trying to save power, but then he got to the point where he has just a few 400 pluses, literally just a few of them. He's doing his thing and his power bill is one third of what it used to be. All right, guys, got the uh, nine battery and my little uh, infrared thermometer. Sure. Uh, I'm going over under the, okay, uh, my bed number one. The uh, assist is maybe about 12 inches away. Things, of course, my Pospina being the one that's immediately below the light. Uh, go what was the temperature? Yeah. temperature is... How much is it? And I'm sorry. It about 12 inches away. How much? 84.5 Fahrenheit. I'm sorry. 84.5? Is that 84.5 Fahrenheit? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Okay. Next up. Next up, uh, let's go ahead and look at something that's more on the outskirts of the bed. Sure. That I'm actually hitting it. Uh, 81.3. Let me just do that one more time. My glasses off. Make sure I'm actually seeing the red dot. There it is. Uh, let's see. One's about 75 degrees, and that's about uh, two and a half feet away, and it's pretty lateral. Just said to super crop it. And something that's about a foot and a half, 20 inches directly below the light. There it is. That's about, let's say, 20 inches directly under the SK400. So the temperature is pretty stable throughout, nothing too crazy. No, everything is stable. Hmm. Enjoying the awesome. AC bill is definitely not. That's all we can ask. Yeah. And then let's go over here on the, the Titans. Biggest one right there. About two feet uh, off to the side and it's at a perfect angle so I know it's getting all the light and it's at 85 to 86 degrees Flexing a little bit right there Let me just check that. okay and 84 degrees so yeah all my plants are staying within just a few degrees mm -hmm. of uh, each other that's good what's, what's your need my there? room around uh, 85 What's that, sir? What's your humidity level in there? Is fifty-one percent. Uh, okay. Um, you would you would no, actually? He's, he's in flower though. Well, actually, no. He needs to be a little bit higher. higher. He needs he to higher. be higher. It'll make a big difference for you if you if you get the humidity up a bit. <laughs> actually, hold on one second. That was on my desktop monitor. The hum dehumidifier says I'm at fifty-eight right now. So mm -hmm. I'm somewhere in the middle between those two. Okay. Well. You would you would see a an, an a noticeable improvement in the plants if you had your humidity up. If your canopy is 85 degrees, your humidity should be like seventy five. I know Orr doesn't believe that, so he's always be a little more sensitive in, on the backside. But if you look at the VPD chart, you'll you'll see that it makes sense after you've been through it a couple of times. It just gives you a safe zone. Keep it that high. Just make sure when your lights go out, though, when the temperature goes down, that the humidity goes down yeah, too. Yeah, that's what a lot of people. That's what they screw up. Yep, and and they and they they like, oh, this BPD chart doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, what were your nighttime humidities? You know, if your plants breathe at night, sure buddy. Set, not quite sure how to set that on my uh, dehumidifier for a day in different settings, but. Uh, well, how many? How big's the space? Uh, it's a ten by twelve by seven. Okay. 
One, one, one of the guys I know, he, he bought another Craigslist DU, and he put it on a timer. So when his light's out, he put the other one on daytime timer, the other one on nighttime timer. So DU number two turned on at night at a lower setting. Okay. That's not a yeah. bad idea. Yeah, I mean, you can buy – I mean, for your size room, you know, you can get one for like 80 bucks, 90 bucks. Yeah. Easy. We got lucky. This is like three miles from us that, 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 that buys old show ups. What's that? humidifier i can try and jam in here um nice. i'll see about working that out in the next day or so and you set around 70 uh during the day and drop it back down at night yeah you basically if, if you look at if you look up the vpd chart on google and just mark your sweet spots for lights on lights off temperatures it's pretty straightforward and i learned something today all right yeah we had one last question for you. Um, what, sure. what makes it? What's the difference between a closet case and the mother's little helper? Uh, and that's from chat. Okay. Well, as I mentioned a few times earlier, mother's little helper is a, more of a five thousand Kelvin midday sun veg light. It is a veg light. It is not meant for flowering. The closet case is a warmer, you know, more of a mid afternoon orangey white. Light and it's meant for a full cycle, but for flowering smaller plants in a smaller space. Mother's little helper will veg up to a four by four. The closet case will flower up to a two and a half by two and a half, maybe a little closer to three feet, but better in a two and a half by two and a half type area. I know they look the same, but they have different uses. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on? Um, I don't want to tie up your whole evening. I know you guys are. Are you guys on the West Coast? I forget exactly yeah, where you guys are. Yeah, we're West here. Coast. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't want to tie up your entire evening, but is there anything else you guys want to touch on, or do you guys want to uh, tell people how to find you and, and everything else? Or? SpectrumKingLED.com, SpectrumKing on Facebook, SpectrumKingLED on, on Instagram. If you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be, send an email to sales at SpectrumKingLED.com. Um, I call them the whatabouts, you know, because what about this, what about that? I'd rather you ask and we answer than you have a bad experience and get mad. You know, whether it's with our light or with somebody else's, if you, it, you want to have the right information to succeed with your investment. That's what we want people to succeed. We want to make sure you go through the step and get the results you're dreaming of. Don't crash your Ferrari. We want to teach you how to drive it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll teach you how to take it out of first gear, baby. Hmm. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You answered so many questions about, you know, why LEDs are, are you know, the really the way to go, especially if you're looking, you know, long-term uh, investment-wise. And it's just like stability, the, you know. It's, it's almost like the set it and forget it thing. You got it up there, you stop worrying about it. It's not like you have to, you know, is that bulb need to be changed? Is that thing going bad? It just works. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on the show. Um, and, uh, and thanks a lot. If, if anyone's looking for the links, there's links in the description if you want to check them out. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, and I'll get you guys that video in just a little bit. Or All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. All right. See ya. Cheers. Cheers. Sorry again. I came a little late, you guys. Hi, Marty. Hi, Brain. Hi, Steve. Yo, yo, yo. That was uh, one of the best um, interviews we've had so far on the show. I really appreciate them taking the time to get on the show. Uh, it took three three attempts, but we got it. Uh, and man, was it worth it! So I really appreciate them coming on the show. They're um, a charm. Yep. 
uh, Marty, do you uh, do you want to talk to us about uh, the new clusterfuck in Oregon again? And what's new with you? Oh yeah, so I mean, so this isn't really new news, I guess, for Oregon, um, but they're drumming it up again because a little piece of it got approved and basically, or took effect, I guess. But essentially, they're you know they're separating recreational dispensary licensing from medical dispensary licensing so you can you can be one or the other or you can be both but they both cost money separately and a lot of dispensaries are um are basically saying fuck it i'm just going to go recreational because that's where the huge market is um and i can just get high thc weed from anybody and uh and so essentially patients are getting screwed and small growers are getting screwed because they can't, they can't move their product. They, you know, they've already had their regulations up so that they can't have nearly as many plans, specific zoning in order to be able to get approved. And like uh, here in Jackson County has been a huge, uh, just a huge fucking problem with the county because they agreed to grandfather and existing grows and collected $1,500 fees from a whole bunch of people uh, to process their applications and basically haven't approved any of them. And, uh, and a bunch of them are still going back to appeal anyway. And so it's <laughs> and every county can essentially do the same thing and it's sort of use that for a roadmap to go county by county, to make that happen. So basically, you know, the small growers that essentially had to risk everything in order to get a medical program, have a medical program, get just get uh, straight up medication to patients like um, with no infrastructure at all. So, you know, they're sort of getting walked on in terms of, um, you know, paving the way for recreational grow and it becoming a problem for you know them to not be able to sell to recreational growth if you don't have recreational recreational dispensaries because you don't have licensing for that so as the medical market shrinks you know we're seeing less patients get registered because a lot of people are just saying well why don't i just go to the dispensary and buy it from there i can get an ounce at a time if i want to and you know that's enough for what i need so you're seeing funding drop for the medical program and uh and you're seeing less and less um you know sort of smaller what you call them like sort of more of your craft cannabis um, market disappearing and, and the people that are growing things and, and crossing things that are specifically for patients or making specific edibles for patients that are you know they're doing the charlotte webs and they're doing the high cbd strains or the one-to-ones or the one and a half to ones um, or the half to ones you know all those different ratios that are more effective for things like seizures or uh, you know, MS or, you know, all kinds of different things um, that people use them for. So the availability of those is going down and the cost is going up, not only uh, not only for the patient themselves, but just for the dispensary to be able to offer it. So, you know, basically all of those different variables in in the same thing which is that it's not good for patients and it's not good for small growers and it's good for recreational growers so um i know you know the news has been up in arms about it lately but you know this isn't 
isn't really a new thing. And if you remember back about, I want to say like two or three months or so, and we could even check in the podcast and see what we talked about last time. But um, when a lot of this went or was decided on or was being discussed was when the, uh, uh, a lot of the council members were just straight walking out of uh, meetings and not, um, you know, they would, they would sit in here a little bit of it until they got hired of tired of it and just walk out. And then they would, you know, you'd have like nine people deciding for an entire county um, without even hearing what people had to say about it. And uh, so it, it's definitely been a, a clusterfuck. And that, that's just like, you know, that's numerous counties that, you know, had people get frustrated and leave. I know that happened here in Jackson uh, County. And, you know, it, it, it made the news and different stuff. There's, you know, clips of it. People had their own uh, posts about it. I know here we have the Right to Grow group um, here in Oregon, which has, you know, organized a couple lawsuits, which haven't been, haven't really been successful in doing anything yet, but um, and they are at least challenging and taking them to court in various places. And, um, you know, I, I want to have a positive attitude to, about it, but they just haven't had any success because anytime they get up any kind of uh, trial or anything, it's basically just the government checking on the government and deciding everything is fine. So, you know, they don't really care if it's, you know, unconstitutional or, um, you know, even against Oregon law to interpret it, some of the stuff that they did in terms of like farm use and all kinds of other stuff, which is all, all led to where we're at now, which is, you know, it's not a good place for the medical uh, at all, which we've seen basically the same thing happen in Washington with some different variables, but, you know, recreational coming about in uh, legislation that gives them the ability to control um, on a county by county level how much you can grow, uh, whether or not you can grow it outside, uh, who you can sell it to, whether or not you can sell it at all. You know, some counties they've banned it all together. So like Klamath County here, you know, you can't grow anything essentially. Um, you can grow your four recreational plants inside. That's about the only thing that they can take away from you, but there's no dispensaries there. You can't sell it to a dispensary, um, none, none of that. So that's uh, that's kind of the clusterfuck that is the Oregon Medical Program right now. And, uh, and like I said, it's back in the news again because of this distinction in dispensaries of, of what's medical and what's recreational and um, that it costs the dispensary money to be medical, a medical dispensary in addition to being recreational. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure how, how we got to this point without so many people, you know, knowing that that's what we were debating about for so long. And that's, and I guess that's kind of been the theme over and over again. It's like, you have a bunch of people that show up at meetings and want to say stuff, nobody wants to listen. And then when it comes about, everybody's really surprised. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a frustrating process and I, I hope California doesn't do the same thing um, but you know their uh, their legislation doesn't seem to be um, you know set up any better so I think it's going to be difficult to to avoid that but you know I hope that they do a better job of maintaining medical than we've done here because it it hasn't been good and doesn't look good either
Absolutely, and it's and this it, this goes back to the whole don't blindly vote for a legalization bill. Right, and so Oregon, you know, I feel like they they tried to, and it was basically, and I don't know if it was on purpose or whatever else, but you know that that one little piece in there about defining cannabis as a farm use crop allowed them to then legislate um, on the county or even city level uh, putting regulations on farm use crops as opposed to uh, just regulating cannabis specifically. So now they can limit the number of plants that you can have um, if you're not in a designated farm use area. So like in Jackson County, the way they do it is all by zoning. So if you're zoned anything residential, so even if you're zoned rural residential, you could have acres of property um, where you would want to be able to grow outside and not be able to because um, you're zoned improperly. You're zoned as rural residential as opposed to exclusive farm use. And your next door neighbor could have been zoned five years earlier and happened to get exclusive farm use and they're able to grow. So that's, that's the case here is right over my back fence. There's EFU property, um, but I'm zoned residential here, so I'm not able to grow outside this year. Which is completely ridiculous because there's absolutely no reason for any of this. And it's all smell ordinances. So that's, that's basically the precedence is that my neighbor needs a safe place for his nose. Yeah, it's it's just fucking ridiculous, and it's for people that don't live in a legal state yet. Make sure that first of all, you get a constitutional amendment. Second of all, make sure that local townships cannot regulate and ban you from using your own medicine and growing your own plants. This is fucking ridiculous. You can brew beer, you can do wine, you can do spirits, even up to a certain gallonage, and it's perfectly legal. Why the hell can't I grow plants? This is ridiculous. Yeah, it, and it's extremely frustrating, and, you know, I, I definitely feel like it, it needs to change, and they've been sued over it, um, and it was even, you know, deemed unconstitutional under Oregon law that it, the way that they were interpreting it was against the intention of the legislation, um, and, and so, but, you know, I guess... There were people that pointed it out beforehand that it, that it really didn't need to be in there, that there was really no reason for them to define it as a, as a farm use crop. So they're beginning with the why they couldn't take it out when they were notified, um, you know, seems a little suspect to me. And it, it definitely it did a lot of things. I've talked about this on the podcast before. It, it made um, EFU property here in uh, Jackson County extremely valuable so uh, anybody who had a lot of EFU property was related to somebody who had a lot of EFU property uh, in Jackson County made serious amounts of money um, just by their property value going up um, because it was EFU and uh, properties are getting bought up left and right um, here in Oregon or in pretty much any legal state but right now, specifically Oregon, uh, the real estate market is is gone crazy. My neighbor put their house on the market, and you know they had offers within like four days. Um, 
multiple offers, sold their house within two weeks, uh, entered escrow, I guess, accepted an offer within two weeks, um, and, and sold their place. And you know, that's been the one I've heard from a lot of different people. So property values have definitely gone, gone through the roof, which kind of blows a hole in a lot of the argument that they have for a lot of the, or I guess what their basis is really for it is that property values will go down because people won't want to buy the property if somebody's growing weed next door. And that's, you know, it's pretty much been the opposite effect, actually. If people are growing weed next door, odds are they paid a, a good amount of money for it, which increases your property value. Um, it, it has the opposite effect. So um, <laughs> I, it, it just goes goes to show you, again, it doesn't matter what's actually happening uh, in front of their faces. They generally just care about what their own narratives are. And, uh, and, and it it becomes disturbing really because they can just straight up lie and say that they, they create this imagined world for somebody that was going to come by their house now isn't going to come by their house because they saw a weed plant next door or they maybe smelled weed when they got out or who knows. Um, but it just seems like such a fantasy to me that uh, I don't even know how to, to <laughs> I don't know how to logic with you, buddy. It just doesn't process for me, especially when you can look at the actual property value and say, look, after all these wheat growers moved in through the roof, um, you know, that's, that's, I don't understand how they argue with, with the fact of that, but they always, they always go back to the same thing, which is, oh, well, you know, it still doesn't matter if somebody doesn't want to live next door to wheat grow, they're not going to buy the property. And so I guess, I don't understand why they care if there's five other people that are lined up to buy the property that will grow wheat on it, then your property value is still going up and that's still what's actually happening. But no matter what meeting after meeting and, you know, council meeting after council meeting, it's the same, the same narrative over and over again. My property value is going to go down because my neighbor grows wheat and I got to protect my kids from the other imagined slides of cannabis. And that's completely ridiculous. Like, uh, again, there's no other market that's restricted the way that we are and has to go through even half the licensing bullshit that we have to and have to go through. Like, even just to transport it to retail is a hassle now, both in California and in Oregon. So it's just, it's totally psychotic. They've gotten completely out of control with the regulation and taxation and it needs to be brought into some symbol of sanity. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here in terms of like the Oregon Medical Program. There's not a lot of options like that, or at least even on the table. I haven't even really seen anything aside from, you know, the press about these most recent changes taking effect, and when more and more recreational growers, or not recreational growers, but recreational uh, dispensaries. Uh, only instead of uh, medical also it has really brought more attention to it. But it, it's really the, the same old thing that they've been doing since legalization happened, which is taking advantage of that one thing that they put in there uh, to, to put in regulations based on, uh, on a county level, because then you can take it from a vote for, from the entire state and you can put it down into the vote of nine people, which is a lot easier to sway, sway that vote. 
in a, it doesn't really matter if they go against what what the public wants. We have to wait to vote them out. Um, whether we do that through, you know, something like an impeachment, I think they have a different name for it, for the process, but essentially like an impeachment uh, to take them out of office, or we wait till their term is up and vote somebody else in. So, uh, you know, if anybody is in the state right now that doesn't uh, yet have uh, recreational, pay attention to who's on your board now, um, because that's going to be extremely important moving forward. Uh, if you can replace as many of them as you can with pro cannabis people uh, before that that war ever hits your door, um, it's just going to help you out. I wish I would have known more about the local candidates um, before, and if they weren't good enough, I you know encourage somebody else to run. And that's what ended up happening here afterwards. Um, you know, we we found pro cannabis people that were willing to run. Um, and, and started, you know, taking a look at those seats on the board. But obviously, if I knew knew then what I know now, I would want I would want to start doing that as soon as possible. So, to anybody that, if your state is considering legalization, even medical, uh, that, that you don't have now, uh, you know, be aware of those city and county council members because those are going to be like the last sort of line of defense. Um, regulation that will come in and, and, and change uh, or even just limit growth in your area. Absolutely. Um, and there was another thing. Um, there's some group called Smart Colorado. That's it. I want to call these assholes out. So they're advocating for a maximum potency law uh, in Colorado. Um, and they want to limit potency. I'm trying to find it here in this article. I can't. I can't find it exactly where they want to limit. But they want to limit uh, the potency of cannabis to like below 20%, which is fucking ridiculous. That would mean no concentrates, no shatter, no, you know, anything else that's you know, no fun. Uh, a concentrate. Yeah, no fun. Like, how am I supposed to get high off of that? So. Um, they're pushing really hard uh, for that, um, and uh, they're claiming that there's been an increase in ER visits, mostly from out-of-state people that aren't used to it. Anyone that's been to Denver Cannabis Cup knows there's the alleyway between the two buildings where they generally host the cup, where it ends up being just like an alleyway of passed out out-of-staters that don't know, you know, they're not used to concentrates, which is always funny, but, um, you know, uh, concerning. <laughs> Well, again, it's not lethal. No one's ever died. You know, said, forget the opioids that kill, you know, 64,000 people a year. Forget the, the alcohol that kills 40,000 people per year. We're going to we're going to go after the weed that hasn't killed anybody. Um, Just tell them you're drunk. Okay. Yeah, here, here, this is an exact quote from from Smart Colorado. I'm here to tell you a dab is crack weed and it will ruin your brains, she said. There are stronger options on both sides of this, strong opinions on both sides of this issue, but they do not agree that pot, no matter how potent, should be in the hands of kids. Or they do agree that pot should never be in the hands of kids, which we can all agree. Children should not be smoking weed unless they have, well, not smoking, but unless they have a seizure disorder or cancer, children should not be on weed. They should not be using recreational. Yeah. Well, you know what they do in Jamaica? 
So in Jamaica, they take all the stems of all the, the cannabis plants, uh, what the parents smoke, and they put it in tea with honey or sweetener. And then they, they call it bush tea and they give it to the kids to make them pass out at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon when mom needs to like get some laundry done or, you know, have the milk brilliant. Over or whatever. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it works great. I've, I've watched them. It's funny. Anyways, uh, I love Jamaica. It's They have childcare down to a science. Um, anyways, <laughs> I don't recommend doing that at home. Home, Don't get me wrong. But uh, it is funny to uh, the different parts of the world have very different views on, on this particular plant and how it should be utilized on a regular basis. Um, uh, but yeah, this is ridiculous. These smart Colorado people. Um, the only people I know who use that stuff are people that have such high levels of tolerance that form, other forms don't work. What I would tell parents that high-potency cannabis is the same thing about low-potency cannabis. Keep it away from your children. Yeah, no shit. Like, this lady is just a, another scaremonger, you know, and... And let's not forget that the, the governor of Colorado has a huge financial investment in four different breweries and three tap houses. So who do you think he's going to back when one of those is going to hurt his bottom line, um, which is often not brought up enough? Um, you know, Hickenlooper also called in the dogs and protesters at Occupy and other protests and also brought a whole bunch of fraudulent charges against protesters too. So, um, you know remember who these people are when they're preaching bullshit um uh how's you guys how's your girl going uh fish ganja guy it's going great i'm transplanting uh some little afghanimals right now because i'm going to be running a few more phenotypes of that monster uh next round and i got about another week until i can start cutting a couple dozen clones to uh, gender test uh everything going in next round and uh, make some room in my mother tent. And uh, let me put it on video real quick, see if it actually goes through for once. Because I've got everything under a mother's little helper. I haven't seen your video work yet, so I don't know if it's, it's coming through or not I've, for anybody else. I've only seen a slideshow. I just, I think you have no Wi Fi in your grow. We'll have to. Yeah, we we can't even hear you at the moment, unfortunately. Am I am I available to you? No luck. Not video. <laughs> I can't even hear him at this point. Yeah, I can't hear him either. Alrighty, um. We'll figure out what happened to him. Um, Marty, do you have any other updates from your grow? Um, well, uh, you guys can check out. I have a video on the praying mantis egg that hatched. So one of my three praying mantis eggs hatched. And uh, they're running around here. Um, and so I, I took a video of that shortly after they hatched. And uh, I only see a couple hanging out right now. But there's quite a few of them running around. Kind of cool to watch them fight each other and shit like that. <clears throat> um, so besides that, there's I don't really have too much going on. These are about. Um, Do you bet on them? They? About uh, against each other and. Yeah, they're about four weeks in the flower, and uh, from about so these two are the same. 
like I talked about before, I think these two plants here are the same strain. They're uh, Oregon Blackberry by Peach Frost. And this one over here uh, next to it, you guys can see that or not, over this way, it's not as far. I mean, they both started at the same time, but this one definitely stretched more and didn't start flowering as fast. And uh, so definitely strain specific, but it's definitely uh, looking healthy and coming along. It was smaller before, so it grew up over the top of the other one. So definitely veg longer. And then I have a sour strawberry back there in the corner. And some mite bedding I have there to release some uh, thrape predators. But here, let me see if I can get this a little closer. You guys can check out the difference here that I was telling you about. So you can see there's the, there's one. So even though it started at the same time, quite a bit different in terms of structure already. But going pretty well over there. Those are the sips and uh, feed those with aquaponic water. It's on those. And uh, other than that, just kind of on cruise control, I have uh, not... In addition to the mantis running around, I have some baby lace wings. I have a whole bunch of these little tabs set up on here. And they've been hatching for the last couple days or so. And uh, I release those about once a week if I have. Right now I'm fighting uh, thrips. And uh, I just have a few larvae crawling around still. I haven't seen any in adults in a while, so they're definitely knocking them down. And... Uh, so I'll probably release some more uh, of those coming up soon. But uh, other than that, kind of on cruise control. Awesome. Um, uh, Brian Grow, do you want to tell us what you got going on this week? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much for the past couple days, I've just been working on biochar, just making biochar for my new um, my new bed. I uh, went ahead and ordered some um, clay pebbles and grow stones to mix in with that. And I went ahead and ordered another little cheapo Amazon $80 light for that system as well. So I'm working on getting that thing together. Hopefully by Monday or so it'll all come together. I have the walls to build around the thing also. Make sure that you do, uh, you know, no more than about 25% of uh, the growth stone. The growth stone is pretty high in silica, and it will raise okay. your pH. But it's good all because right. it leaches silica all the time. So it's it's plant beneficial in that regard. You just don't want to use it as your only media. All right, right on, right on. I wasn't aware of that. Yep. But um, And then also I'm, I'm working on trying to get a little outdoor aquaponic system set up so I can – grow me some greens and lettuces and whatnot maybe try some dual root zone tomatoes or something like that outside as well so i got one uh 250 gallon ibc tote and i figured i'm gonna probably go with uh go ahead and get another one that way i can have like a sump and fish tank system going on and then i'm not too sure what i want to do about the grow beds yet I know I don't want to spend money on buying grow beds. I was thinking about um, the uh, liner that Marty uses. 
I'm not, I, I couldn't I couldn't exactly I don't, I don't remember what that was called though I was looking up like ultra scrim or dura scrim or something like that and I just couldn't really find it so that's that's one thing that I would definitely be interested in it seems like an easier route to go to simply build out your grow beds to the size that you want them you know yeah. and then just and then just hit them with that liner you know so that's that's what I'm hoping to get done with that yesterday green what's that Durus Grim liner okay yeah cool, if you cool. google it up you should get there's a couple of different places that carry actually aquaponics source carries it i think true aquaponics store carries it now too and in, in smaller all right i would use but true i got mine from the website <laughs> i'll throw up the link to it here too but it's a uh, called globalplasticsheeting.com all right cool beans and then uh, uh, yesterday True Aquaponics has it pretty cheap as well. He also has Ultra Scrim as well. Ultra Scrim. All right. Is that is that like a similar product? Yeah, they're kind of six and one half dozen in the other. All right. Cool beans. Yeah, and then uh, pretty much the only other thing I've been working on, I, I transplanted another plant into the uh, flowering side yesterday. So that pretty much gives me a two-week stagger with my harvest or somewhere around there because I'm I've kind of discovered that uh, the CBD strain that I'm growing really picks up on the terpenes around week 9 and 10 so like uh, it's it's uh, pegged as a eight-week strain but like I said I've, I'm really definitely enjoying the effects the effects of it better with letting it go an extra week and a half to two weeks or so so kind of I don't know. It, it's staggered. It's staggered fairly well, at least for my um, style or whatever. So I'm getting that back on track finally. And then I have another plant nice. that really needs it. Really needs to go into flowering, but I don't really have any room because uh, one of the last plants I put in there was a big old CBD mother, and she's taken up like half of my canopy. So I'm gonna have to wait to harvest that thing out of there before I can move some more plants in, I guess. Yeah, it's good but yeah, from the have though, too many plants. <laughs> right. Hey, if you look in the yeah. chat on the YouTube, I put up the link for that uh, miner for you. Okay, awesome. Definitely appreciate that because I was on the hunt for that today, actually. Cause I'm, I'm kind of just trying to price things out right now, you know, for the outdoor aquaponics system because I'm really looking forward to starting that out. I really just... I feel like I need to try my hand out some out outdoor aquaponics, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really, uh, you know, I'm really missing it, not not setting up for it this year and all that stuff. It's sort of a, oh, really? kind of a downer, yeah. All my buddies are setting up all their plants outside, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to buy some clones. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's still lame because, you know, like, I mean, it's nice because – I do like the sort of the repetition of the indoor environment and sort of getting used to doing that. So, you know, like I'm not upset about that part of it, but man, it's nice to just throw out some plants in the sun and oh, yeah. you know, keep the water cool. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah. I've done it the last couple of years and sort of had it down to, you know, to what I wanted to do and take it, take it to a little bit more, but 
going to have to move first. So that's kind of the plan now is to, to find a new spot. Cool, cool. Well, that's a little bit of a bummer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a downer. But, yeah, dude, uh, do some outdoor, even if it's for food. Like, all my uh, – the system I can't use anymore, I put a bunch of berry plants in. So, you know, I've got um, – and then I, I always grow greens and stuff in them anyway. And, and uh, you'll produce a ton of food um, to be able right. to, you know, just uh, have really good food for your family, even if nothing else, it'll save you money. Um, but, you know, most people don't spend a ton of money on greens. But, and I, I feel like we're all healthier. We, you know, I feel like we got sick nearly as often since we started eating aquaponic food, um, on, uh, especially on a regular basis, you know, where, where we eat greens pretty much every night whether we're, you know, we're talking about just lettuce or chard or spinach or any of those things, um, you know, I feel like it makes a big difference. And you can just consume nitrogen um, out of your flower systems and, and eat it, basically. So right. that's yeah. kind of uh, that's kind of what I go with. Uh, buckwheat is another one that I really enjoy, too. So. Cool beans, cool beans. Check that out. And then outdoors, one thing I've noticed, too, is it's not just the insects you have to watch out for. You have to look at uh, other pests, too. Like whenever I've grown my honeydew melons, um, about three days before I usually uh, decide to pull it because I think it's ripe, I find a little quarter-sized hole in it from a rat, and the whole thing cored out. Oh, man. Birds love to swoop in and just peck, oh, peck man. melons, and they'll peck a little hole in it and just eat juice out of it. Yeah, so spider mites aren't your only problem anymore once you go into the outside. <laughs> what you do, what you do is you dump a little cayenne pepper or paprika on the on on the outside because you don't even eat the outside and it keeps them off of there. And uh, when Marty was talking about uh, feeding family, it jogged my memory real quick. Totally forgot, Marty. Did you uh, have your new kid? No, still not do till the uh, till the tenth. Uh, you totally could have still made the oven. <laughs> I'm I'm holding out for May the fourth. Because, you know, yeah, May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. That would be great. (laughs) I I have an. um, I'm going to be talking down at the. uh, I forget the exact name of the conference, but down in Jamaica next year, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. I'm doing a seminar and a workshop. I'll get the details to link that up here in a bit. Um, If my thing dies, my connection dies here. um, It looks like my phone slash modem is on ultra low and not charging as fast as it i would hope it would do so that's why i'd like um but uh yeah definitely check that out um i have a bunch of cool uh content i've had up on my youtube or i got queued up on the youtube i went out to uh, uh orboros farms last week and um, was teaching the cannabis class and um did a bunch of cool videos about filtration compost tea brewing um remineralization tanks and how they work because there's an i have yet to see a good video on that uh also uh talking about his new high-tech sensors he's got some pretty cool continuous sensors over there uh so definitely check that out that's uh kind of something you don't get to see uh very often it's kind of on the bleeding edge of um what's out there as far as sensor technology uh the scanners can actually scan the um nutrient values in the plant material and tell you what's going on with the plants tell you if they're under attack by insects tell you where in the grow they're under attack um and then tell you where there's nutrient deficiencies just by looking at the plants every 15 seconds with a camera so it's pretty cool wow 
yeah, it's a pretty tricked out system. Uh, I can't wait to see a system like this on a, on a cannabis grow. It's, I was just dreaming <laughs> when I was out there. I was like, I need one of these sensors for my grow room. Yeah, they need to stop playing yeah, that that's... shit. That's what I'm saying. What's up? I you need that. to talk to Ken and be like, Ken, I mean, lettuce, really? What's that? He makes. He does all right with the lettuce. But he, uh, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, more more information coming soon on some of that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm going to do some videos here soon on, on how to germinate some seeds. Um, about to crack some stuff. I actually got a hand, got my hands on the uh, DGC Cup winning strain, which is Brandywine. Um, like I, uh, we're gonna try and get him on the show. Um, we have, uh, I've been talking, been talking to Mammoth P. We're gonna get them on the show soon. Uh, we're gonna have Optic Foliar on the show soon. We have a bunch of really awesome guests. Optic Foliar is gonna talk to us about. He has a new aquaponics specific foliar spray uh, for aquaponics that he's um, get out about. Oh us. shit. Yeah, <laughs> top secret stuff that y'all even had a chance to see. Yet, so. um, we have a, a bunch of cool guests uh, queued up in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I have a couple of other cool surprise guests that we're going to have pop in on the next couple of shows. We're going to try to do one or two guests uh, on the show going forward as much as possible. Um, we actually started on time this week, which is like never fucking happens. So that was really awesome. Too. Uh, what do you mean we, white man? I was on time for being late. Oh yeah, but I mean the show started on time, and that's all that matters. Does anybody have any in chat? Have any questions? It's been a pretty awesome show so far. It's also nice we're doing the, the episodes are ending up slightly longer, but a little more informative. It's it's lately it's been great with some of the awesome guests we've managed to get on the show. So yeah, Definitely actually, come down with longer episodes. Yep. All right. Well, if no one else has anything, does anyone else have anything else they wanted to mention? Uh, if not, we'll we'll do the wrap up. Uh, just that my phone's about to die. Yeah, so is mine. So let, let's. I'm at one percent. Perfect timing, I Brian guess. Go, so. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's wrap the show up. So, uh, uh, Brian Grow, why don't we tell people how to find you? All right, I'm uh, I'm on YouTube, B R A Y N E space G R O, and then I'm also on Instagram. Oh, same thing, except instead of the space, it's an underscore. And like I said last time, I I upload a lot more to Instagram. So that's about it, guys, for me. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Fish Gonge guy, why don't you tell them how to find you? Uh, I prefer to stay hidden. Thank you. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> if you want to follow what I'm doing, uh, Instagram, Fish Ganja Guy. And uh, just look up Fish Ganja Guy on YouTube. And uh, follow the side by side. See what I got going. Awesome, uh, Marty. Do you want to tell uh, people how to find you? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, uh, which is AP Meds is my channel. Um, so you can check that out. And then we have the uh, Facebook group for the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers. You can search that, and uh, Steve and I moderate that. Um, and somebody else, I can't remember right now. Is it I? How do you say his name? Ion? I Alien. Alien? Yeah. Alien. He's a moderator. Alien Gonzalez. Anyway. Uh, he's on a bunch of, uh, he's a moderator for a bunch of different aquaponic forums, but he's uh, one of the other, he's I think the only other moderator now for aquaponic cannabis growers, yeah? 
yeah so check out that facebook group you can find us on there um my patreon uh, which I upload more stuff to there that's more like how-to videos and more like grow coaching stuff. Um, so you can check that out. That's uh, patreon.com slash AP meds. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. Um, I want to do a quick shout out to uh, True Aquaponics. Um, he, uh, uh, we, he has a lot of different things that you would need for, for your um aquaponics grow shout out to recharge and the do grow show guys we had a, a blast out at their cup the other week and uh regularly help us uh with guests and other things on the show the guys are awesome over there so make sure you go over to realgrowers.com and dogrows.com and, and support those guys as well a big shout out to them and uh you can check me out on um uh, potentponics.com uh, you can check out the classes that i teach over at ouroborosfarms.com um and uh potentponics at gmail.com if you want to write a question into the show uh, or leave it in the comments of the uh, the video, and we'll try to get to the next episode or answer it our, ourselves in chat. And um, check out my channel. I have a, a bunch of new content that'll be queued up um, in regards to compost tea brewing, mineralization, as well as a couple of crop specific videos and filtration um, that are all queued up the next week or two. So uh, yeah, check that out. Thanks a lot for watching, and uh, thanks again to the guys from Spectrum King, uh, Or and Brendan from for coming on the show and. And uh, answering all those awesome questions that we had, and and um, yeah, it was a, a really great, uh, really good episode. And I appreciate everyone for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Later. Night, everybody.